Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Treason No Plot. I am your DM and host, as always, Adam Cookson, and I am joined by my three regular co-hosts, Matt Dennis, Flo Dennis, and James Bunkle. Hello. 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 Nice to see you all. Well, see. Mm, yeah. Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do webcams here. Uh, I sense a presence with me. <laughs> it's making bad decisions and losing its character. That that would probably be me. Ah, okay, it's you. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good start. <laughs> no, he said losing his character. I'm I'm still pretty sure Rogar can't die. So I think you're okay. <laughs> no. I think that, that, there there are fates worse than death, though, as I have pointed out before. Oh, oh, there are so many fates. <laughs> yes, and they will be reprising their roles as Tommy Hawkins, our gunslinger rogue, Sophia Landrin, our fighter cleric, and Rogar McLeod, our paladin sorcerer. And you guys are in the thick of it a little bit here. <laughs> oh, I mean, when are we not? <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting um, interesting point that you left us on last week. Uh, um, a nice cliffhanger for, for those of you listening and for us as players as well. You're <laughs> fucked. What? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let, let's sing the Everyone's in Danger song. <laughs> Everyone's in danger. Because I mean, I mean, they split the party. Is, isn't that our theme song now? I mean, <laughs> isn't that what we always do? We're like, we're never splitting the party again. Right, we've got to do this thing. Okay, you two go that way. It's like fucking Scooby-Doo. Right? It, it, it really is. There is, there is a, a formula you could write that shows the time between you guys stating that you will never split the party again to coming up with a plan where you explicitly state you're not going to split the party and then turning around and splitting it. Yeah. This three-point graph that I like to chart here of, hmm... <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we we are creatures of habit, and we're in let's, the let's same location. Yeah, but we are really bad for splitting the party, though. It's, I mean, we we, we, we split the party. Here. We split the party into three. <laughs> I mean, there, there 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 are logical reasons behind the splits. But there's about what, like still. a thousand or more feet between you all. <laughs> yeah, oh, like yeah. in the same location, don't mean jack shit when. There's hundreds of enemies between every group. <laughs> and a river. And a river that <laughs> infected one of you. <laughs> it's, um, fine. it's fine. Good times. Also it's demons. It's yep. fine. It's yep. fine. Yep. It's fine. Right. I'm, I'm not worried about the demons. It's the devils when they turn up. Well... <laughs> yeah, the thing is, that the plan was fine, and then we kind of forgot about Rogar's thing. Yeah. Well, I did anyway. You're um, welcome. Well, I mean, I, I didn't forget about it. I've I've never forgot about it at any point. But Tommy doesn't know about it, so the plan is sound in Tommy's mind. <laughs> yep. Tommy. Uh, in fact, we should just twist this now into our recap because last week Tommy was on point. He was mm. stealthing. He was climbing walls. He was checking out the area. He was mapping out key locations in this orc camp, getting an understanding of just what makes these creatures tick and. You know, okay, okay, maybe there's some danger over there. Well, maybe I can uh, use these wolves that I found as that are technically Jorans, the man I'm pretending to be. Maybe I could use them to make a distraction and escape later. Yeah, yeah, this is all good. Oh, 
the war tent, the, the leader's tent. Okay, maybe it's worth checking that out. Maybe it's not. At least I know where it is. Ah, here we go. Here's the statue containing something that might be able to use to frame the gnolls. Let's stealth in here and be very careful not to, um, you know, alert anyone to my presence. Of course, it led to something arriving, but, you know, we'll get to that. But, you know, I, I like that you were very methodical. You were rolling well. Thank you. You did yeah. well. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, as I say, uh, uh, if, 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 if it turns out that I get killed by something that, that materialized, then I, I, I kind of, okay, I couldn't have done much about that. There was, there was, there was nothing kind of foreboding that was going to say this is a bad thing that's going to happen. So I, th I think I did well last session. Let's see what happens this session. Hmm. On the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> Dumb and Dumber went to the Noel side of the camp <laughs> and immediately just blundered their way around walked into the uh, blood pool and ritual chamber, it got immediately spotted by a number of demons, gnolls, and the gnoll raid leader, Beroth. Probably the smart option to walk out of there and with a few successful rolls got out, you know, not too much in danger, let's say. And free from that danger, they almost walked straight into some Yugoloth fiendish creature that was guarding the prisoners, you decided to stay away from that thing after Rogar learned what a Yugoloth was, or <laughs> remembered, essentially. These neutral evil fiends that kind of inhabit some of the lower planes that aren't necessarily aligned to devils or demons. Bit odd to see one here, maybe, because you've mostly seen demons with the gnolls, but eh, maybe, maybe they found this one or paid it off in some way, you don't know. So then you walk straight into the grand bonfire where everyone's having a great big ritual and you join in, because fuck it. <laughs> yeah, Rogar. What? It was a good decision. <laughs> it was a decision. It was a decision. <laughs> it was a good decision because me winning, as you're about to tell me, winning the fight with Sophia and taking all of the applause and adulation enabled her to sneak off without being noticed and look in the war tent. Boom. Heroes! Yes. Rogar does currently have a thousand eyes upon him as he basks in a bit of glory for the, your fake fight between the pair of you. And Sophia is currently sat in the Knoll leader's tent, surrounded by Knoll pack leaders who kind of work underneath Volreth, the Knoll leader, who is having a bit of an interesting chat with another Yugoloth, a different type. The first one was this sort of armored dog-like creature with a long barbed tongue. This one almost looks like a demon crossed with an orc. It's very green, very muscly, carries a big axe, got some wings. It's it's an interesting looking creature, that. And they were having a curious conversation around Volreth being made to look for something called the heart, which I don't know how much Sophia really knows about that. In fact, I don't think she knows anything about that. Nope. You also heard the name The Awoken, which is what the Yugoloths belong to. Seemingly another faction at play, as they have been dropped off here by Morrenhall, this giant who's been referred to a few times, the one who visited the camp that you learned about in that intel that you found back at Blackfrost Fortress. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of things going on here in different directions, and you're not really... I don't know if you've started to piece together exactly what's going on and who's playing for who yet, but seeing that this Yugoloth is a member of the Awoken 
should raise some eyebrows, as this was the group that Oswald told you essentially are like the the neophytes to the illuminated. They're their foot soldiers, their worshippers, their acolytes. And it turns out at least this Yugoloth and hell maybe the other one are both working for the illuminated. That puts you in a bit of an interesting situation. <sighs> Why can't the illuminated just get one thing in order and start fucking around with everything else? <laughs> I mean, so far they're kind of succeeding everywhere, so you know, <laughs> business is booming, why stop? Oh, just have your finger in one pie. <laughs> Uh, they're fingering all the pies, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I think, um, yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting to know that. Obviously, Tommy doesn't, but they um, they're obviously involved in some way, whether or not they're. Well, I'm assuming they're using the gnolls for something. Whether they're using the orcs as well, whether they're playing them against each other or together, whether this whole operation's their idea. Well, you never know. You never know. Mm-hmm. Many questions. Yeah. Little answers. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess with all that said, we should rejoin our players. And I think we should start back where we left off and join Sophia as you are inside this null war tent. You're sat at a table surrounded by other gnolls who are just eating and drinking and watching the celebrations of the grand bonfire taking a, a moment's respite from their more violent worshipping of Yinogu around the flames, and you're spying on Volareth, the Null leader, this large... And I think we described him last week, he almost looks like a cross between a Null and a werewolf. He's just like a big berserker-looking Null with this flail at his side, with multiple heads of the flail that are seem to be fashioned into skulls with spikes on them, and they're just weeping this black smoke. He looks vicious, and we'll continue where we left off, because if you're still listening in, you will hear the Yugoloth, this large green fiend, attempt to start placating Volreth just a little bit as they were starting to get on each other's nerves at the last, uh, last we left them. The creature kind of raises its hands and almost in an appeasing way, as it's just said that it's only here to help. Wolrith, do not misunderstand our purpose here. You know that the demon prince Yinogu requires the heart of the Titan King to make his presence felt on the material. The Great Slaughter cannot begin without it, and Modern Hall understands that. I understand that, and I am only here to offer my help. If you do not need my power directly, perfect. Send your gnolls to the south and hunt for the shrine. Find the heart and bring it into your possession. Claim it for Yinogu and the Slaughter to come. But Yinogu will need many followers, so keep up the work with bringing prisoners and bringing through demons and various fiends. You'll need them. Volareth still seems quite angry. He doesn't seem to like talking to this creature, but you're noticing, and in fact, do me a bit of an insight check, Sophia, as you're watching this. Oh, shit. I think I get advantage on insight, if I remember correctly. 
It depends if you're wearing the helm or not that I gave you. Yes, I am. Yay! Mm. Advantage. Magical helms. 21! 21. So you're listing in here, and Volreth is not the most um, deceitful person. You get the idea he uh, wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit. And, well, what you're getting from just analyzing this conversation is he hates this creature. He hates being told what to do, even in like a roundabout way. And even if he might not understand whether he's being deceived or just persuaded or prodded or needled, he doesn't like it. He sees himself as the one in charge here, and he will do what he wants to do above all else. And this creature can go rot for all he cares. And you see that although that's apparent, and Volreth is struggling to hold back his just general rage, you do notice he's holding it back. And with a 21, what you realize is Volreth respects this creature's strength. If Volreth could just kill this Yugoloth and be done with it and do whatever he wants, he wouldn't put up with a single word out of this creature's mouth. But either he can't kill it, or he would struggle enough that it would put his life too much at risk. And that's what's kind of having him hold his claws back. That's what you get. Considering how strong Volreth is, and how he's in charge of everyone here, being scared of the Yugoloth is quite telling, isn't it? Mm. You see Volreth kind of snarls and just responds angrily again, but you still see he's not like going to grab for a weapon or he's not getting up from his chair. He's just, he's coming across all bark and no bite, but this creature definitely looks like it would normally bite. <laughs> I don't need your advice. I will tear these lands apart, because that is what Yinogu desires, and I am his chosen. I am blessed with his blood, and his rage, and his desires. <sighs> the slaughter will continue. These weak little mortal races will suffer, because I desire it, and if Yinogu wants the heart, I will claim it. Be gone! I will put up no more with this. The fiend seems to take it all in stride and just nods. Thank you, Volareth. I know your work here has been tireless, and Morinhal respects that as well. I will leave you to enjoy your celebrations. And you watch as the Yugoloth starts to walk away, and he leaves the tent. And Sophia, if you're paying attention, whereas the other gnolls aren't really, in fact, as soon as the Yugoloth is out of the tent, Volreth stops paying attention to him. He goes back to watching the flames and seeing what's going on outside. You watch the Yugoloth walks away from the bonfire and starts heading towards some tents maybe further away from the knolls, a bit more secluded. What do you do at this point? Because right now, the other knolls are just celebrating, drinking and eating, and you just sort of plonked yourself down, but eventually they might start asking you questions. You don't know what's going to happen next. What do you want to do? I think I want to leave. Okay. Where are you going? Right, let me just get the map. So I'm by the Grand Bonfire, mm -hmm. um, and the tents are away from the knolls, you said? Um, the Yugoloth's going towards tents away from the knolls. 
Yes, he's walking away from like the, the big horde of gnolls around the bonfire who are celebrating. He's going for seemingly a bit of privacy, and if you don't quite follow him outside, you'll notice he heads into a tent. Uh, so a good, maybe 80 feet away from the bonfire. Hmm. What's Rogar doing? Rogar right now is, I assume, and you can correct me if you start doing anything else, but you're still celebrating in front of the bonfire, kind of chanting. I presume you're joining in with the chants of Yinogu and Slaughter and trying to make yourself blend in as best as possible. Yes, yeah, yeah, I don't want to try. I don't, obviously, with all these eyes on me, I don't want to arouse suspicion in any way, so I am joining in as best as I can. So Rogar's having the time of his life, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he is. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I could try and sneak up after the Yugoloth. I could keep an eye on Volareth, but then he might see me. Or I could try and get Rogar. Mm, I wouldn't bother trying to get me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it that way. Bloody useless you are. I'm not necessarily useless, but, you know, I'm trying to integrate myself and, you know, hand out some pamphlets and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's purely a joke, by the way. You know, the revolution is upon us. I didn't print out enough pamphlets, and uh, only my mum and her new boyfriend showed up. <laughs> so, yeah, no, follow him. Don't follow me. <laughs> Fine. I might skulk around. Um, is there. You said he desired kind of. Um... Um, some oh, what's the word? Quiet, whatever. Are there many other people, things, creatures around his tent? No. While the celebration is going on, you see most of the gnolls are kind of joining in and just having their fun with their various blood rites and just grabbing unfortunate chunks of food. They're seemingly quite distracted, and Volreth is brooding in his chair as he watches this right now. The Yugoloth has gone off by himself. Is there any point in me just watching Volareth, to be fair? Probably not. Okay, let's go after the Yugoloth then. I'm going to die. Okay, so you see the Yugoloth goes inside a tent. At this distance, I'm not asking you to make a stealth, but I will make you roll if your plan is to try to get as close to the tent as possible and either listen in or like poke your head through and see if you don't get noticed. Is that your plan here? Yeah, I'm definitely not poking my head through. Unless it's is it a massive tent? Uh, it's a big enough tent. Like he, it's a big creature. Yeah. He's um. In fact, just to give you a bit more context here, I mean, this this Yugoloth is about maybe fifteen foot tall, and he's well built. And this tent is, you look looking at the size of it compared to some of the others, you say it's probably his tent. So it's definitely big enough that you could poke your head through the the, the tent flap and be a fair distance away from him unless he's literally stood right in front of it. He is fucking massive, isn't he? Yeah, he, he is a big old fiend. Shit. Okay, well, I'm just gonna walk towards his tent and see if I can, well, hear, if I can hear anything, basically. Okay. I'm gonna be super cautious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, do me a stealth and do it with advantage, because if you're not gonna try, if you're just gonna try to listen in from the outside, you get advantage on the roll. Ooh, 13. 13. Okay. You walk over to the tent and you position yourself just outside of it, close enough that you can hear what's going on inside. And it's kind of quiet initially, but as you get a little bit closer, you hear a slight buzz 
that maybe indicates some sort of magic being performed. You've been around magic, you have your own spells. You kind of know that feeling of almost electricity in the air for a brief second, almost as if something was activated. And you hear the Yugloth's voice come through the tent, just, just barely. It is a pleasure to see you again, Master. I have been keeping a close eye on the Knolls, and I have much to report. First of all, it has been a great success, their work here. They have been wreaking havoc and providing quite a distraction from our true goals. It seems that they are fully convinced that all of their actions serve their demonic brethren, and even those demons have yet to question anything. I think Morinhal's speech has helped. There are quite a few on both the Orc and Null sides of this camp that believe in Othran's prophecy. They see this as a time of great change. They truly believe that with allying themselves with the Abyssal Plains that they can overthrow the lesser races. <laughs> of course, the Norse are only really concerned about bringing forth their demonic master, but this has all been enough to keep them in check and keep them on our side. Additionally, the Eater told me that Fateweaver Disorn returned empty-handed from Blackfrost Fortress. Apparently, the Orcs tortured some scout to death who gave them a tip about some relic or document or some such nonsense from Uthrin's time. It seems this expedition to Blackfrost must have been a bust as Disorn came back empty-handed. It's all quiet for a moment, until you hear... Black Frost. I threat controls that fortress. Perhaps he is closer to finding the heart than I realized. Well done, my child. You continue to prove yourself, Kekol. Keep the gnolls and the orcs distracted here and swelling their numbers. Soon we can bring forth their full potential. And you hear that slight arcane buzz sound again. And then you hear... And now I suppose I must deal with whoever it is who decided to spy on me. And that's where we're going to leave you, Sophia. Shit, 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 shit. Buggery fuck. Oh, well. It was worth a try. It was, um, <laughs> you found Informative. out some information. Yeah, we yeah. know, we know <laughs> who, um, <laughs> who be in charge now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's your boss. Yep. <laughs> One of them. Yeah, this is this is like this is like um line manager. Yeah. <laughs> he literally is my line manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's 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 middle management, so we all know middle management are a bunch of dicks. I speak as a middle manager. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm afraid a thirteen wasn't quite good enough there on that stealth roll. Shit. Oh well. Oh yeah. Sorry. Let's jump over to the orc side of things and find ourselves with a uh, 
One Tommy Hawkins dangling off a statue, holding a great axe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, could be worse. <laughs> I mean, scratch, freeze frame. <laughs> oh, hey, you might be wondering how I got myself in this situation. Well, it all started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, that kind of my, my my first thought is perhaps just a very kind of gingerly put the axe back and just pat it a couple of times and see what happens. But um, I, I feel like at this point I may have, um, that might not go down very well. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think, I don't, I mean, it might work, but I, I, I doubt that just putting the axe back will suddenly make this, whatever's just materialized, suddenly dematerialized. Mm. So I will um, clear again and the birds will sing. Yeah, so Tommy, you're dangling there holding the axe, and yep. you feel a cold chill run down your spine, your hair stand on end, and you watch as this figure begins to materialize out of the ground beneath the statue. And it very quickly takes on the shape of an orc, kind of slightly translucent and almost glowing faintly in the darkness. And you hear a a voice that just sounds like just sounds like a graveyard given speech shout up so who dare steal from a dead orc oh shit this is uh dude i i didn't know it's it's like it's i just thought it was part of the statue uh, my bad uh if i just put it back uh, we're all good wasn't wasn't theft. I was just taking a look. You know, I didn't know that that possessions continued on after death. So yeah, sorry about that. If I just uh yeah, just slide it back in there, you know, give it a little rub, it'll be fine. No worries. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Uh, maybe if I uh while I'm up here, I, there's, there's a bit of bird shit on your face. If I wipe that off as well, you know, we're we're, we're square, right? As you're looking down at him, you see this this form of an orcs begin to take shape and though translucent and not in almost like in a sort of a white spectral form or this kind of ethereal you see his like armor and he looks like an orc war chief essentially he is decked out in the nicest looking gear you've ever seen an orc wearing and he looks very much like a statue (laughs) in fact he's holding a great axe and he looks up at you and are you actually putting the axe back or are you just holding on to it to see what he says? I'll just, I'll just, I'll just kind of start moving it gently towards, towards sliding it back in just to see what he says. I'm I not see. just going to put it right back straight away, but it's quite the pity when young orcs come by here only to steal from their ancestors. Get down here. Face me like a true orc. I mean, yeah, okay. But look, it's a shame. Look at this beautiful axe I've got in my hand here. This this piece of fantastic orc craftsmanship just left to rot on a tomb. It should be out there, slaying enemies, flaying skin from bone. It should be splitting skulls and painting the ground red with the blood of our enemies. Instead, this weapon lies here forgotten it's a waste is all a waste but i'll um what i'll do is i'll 
Will it, will it fit in the bag of holding? It could do, yes. It could easily go in the bag of holding. I'll say this. When you say all that, um, right. do me a deception check with advantage. Okay. In part because of what you said and in part because you you look like Joe Run right now. Okay, I'll take that. Deception with advantage. A 14. Um, Tommy's 14? charisma. Mm. Yeah. The war chief looks up at you and he does listen to what you say. Kind of nods along at a few points and goes... It has been a long time since my blade felt the warm splash of blood. <laughs> Maybe too long, perhaps. But who are you? Who are you to think you're worthy of Rengar Ogresh's great axe? What makes you think you're fit to wield it? I heard the name Ogresh before. Uh, you happen to be stood in Clan Ogresh. Of course, yeah, that's the name of the clan, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so he's, he's, the, he's the clan chief of, of the clan, or former clan chief. Mm. Me? Huh. Well, let me see. Most of the time I use a gun. Sometimes I use a blade. But I dare to say that I've killed probably more humans, more giants, more orcs, more strange terrifying creatures than any other orc in this camp and i i kind of i, I fix them with a glare and i'm speaking there everything i've said i think uh, tommy believes mm. that is that is true yeah i'd say you didn't actually lie there um like, do me a persuasion again with advantage okay uh, a nine. <laughs> oh well he looks at you and you see that your words are winning him over to a degree but maybe you're not quite convincing enough just yelling it from the top of his statue and he kind of squints at you a little bit gives you a very hard stare and goes so you think you're a true son of grumsh do you a true warrior slaying human and giant alike perhaps you are perhaps you are it's been a long time since my day and i don't know anything about you i'll say this bring down that axe Lay it between us. If you can best me, if you can make me feel your worthiness to wield it in my name and in the great God Grumsh's name in the eternal war, then maybe I can give it to you with my blessing. I'm going to, um, going to take a look at the axe again. Glance at the um, blade. It is, it is quite a nice, quite a nice axe. And what I'll do is, from where I am, I'm going to throw it to stick in the ground next to him, and then I'm going to hop my way down the statue, face him. And when I get to the bottom, I'm just going to look him in the eye and go, very well, old Tummer, let's do this. Okay. Hold on. Um, yeah, let's see a battle map. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, he kind of hits you with something that's almost like a roar and a chuckle. Like combined together, you see that I mean he's he's dead, and you don't know much about the orc afterlife, but you imagine no matter what's going on up there, this guy probably misses the material planes, real blood and gore fighting, and he you see the same axe that you just threw into the ground kind of materializes in his hand like a ghostly spectral version of it, and let's roll initiative. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a 10. Also hot on the rolls today, but 
Except for um, Flo's natural 20 to start the session off. Yeah, it's just going to go downhill from there. <laughs> well, I guess it doesn't necessarily matter anyway, but effectively you strike at the same time as you both get a 10 initiative. And you're Fair enough. This is just one-on-one -on -one <laughs> going mono uh, well, orco a fake orco. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do this. So um, he is going to come at you with his axe. The only one that's safe is Rogar. Well, he, he defines safe. Well, there's a it's devil safe, yeah. coming after him. But I, mean, still. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just mean that, that like, uh, at this moment, as, as long as he's, as long as he's like playing his role well, he's fine. Yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> can I can I just say, not only that, but if I happen to turn into Rogar, considering, like, I'm the pet of the guy who's running the show. I mean. I, I, actually, I might even be safer as Rogar. <laughs> you, you, you might, providing the information gets down from the top in time. True. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if 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 they if they hang back long enough to verify, then then yeah, you're you're, you're probably all right. Actually, you might just get punished in your next dream. Yeah, but exactly. You're not exactly going after the heart of Ganaran, are you? Not Ganaran of um, the Titan King. I thought this was on the way. What's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Tommy, do you want to swing first? Can you yeah, draw first then. blood? Uh, let's, um, let's make an attack with my rapier. Uh, 16. Is that a 16 hit? 16 is not good enough. Oh, yeah. He's probably got Shit. decent armor, hasn't he? Uh, never mind. Okay. Well, second attack with my rapier again. A 20 and 11 damage. Hope a 20 is good enough. 20 is good enough. Cool. And an offhand attack with my short sword to follow it up. I keep wanting to select advantage. I'm so used to the flank chain. Um, <laughs> uh, a 21 and another 11. Okay. You uh, strike out with the rapier, but you're kind of surprised by this old dead orc's speed as he just ducks under the first one, but you manage to catch him with the follow-up and then a quick jab with your magical short sword. At the same time, however, he follows up with some attacks from this great axe. Uh, 26. That would be a hit. That's 14 points of damage. Ouch. And that is a hit. Second attack. 23. 23 but only 5 points. Oh, yeah. I rolled a natural one. <laughs> <Damage>. <laughs> hey. It's okay. That's still stung, though. Yep. Nasty. We're taking chunks out of each other already. <laughs> he uh, kind of laughs along as he swings the uh, great axe back in response at your uh, lighter but uh, more accurate stabs. He just slashes at you with everything he's got, and as you kind of jump back out the way, he still manages to cut you twice across the chest, just drawing a little bit of blood. And you see that this war chief is—he might be having the time of his life, but as you're not an orc, he does just look like he's in the typical orc frenzy. <laughs> He's not holding back on you. At least it doesn't seem that way. <laughs> You're up, Tommy. Okay, so... Uh, it's not something I've done before, but it's something that might be handy in a straight-up one-on-one fight. So... No, that's fine. Okay, never mind. Yep, let's just start swinging again. See, I really want to use some guns, but I don't want to alert everyone in the camp. Because <laughs> um, I can disengage... Um, take some cover and start blasting but yeah now let's just 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 carry on the the swing fest and hope for the best really 
Uh, a 30 with my rapier and mm. 9 piercing damage. So that was a, a straight shot to the face, but not a huge amount of damage. It was more of a sl- little, little slash. Uh, let's follow that up uh, with a 21 and 15 piercing damage with a rapier. And then with the with the other hand swinging back round, trying to cut under his block with the short sword, a 28 and 9 piercing damage. Okay. You unload with just a flurry of blows, and uh, this 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 orc is ghost or not is just wading through all these strikes. You don't know what Rengar Ogresh was like in life, but if he was half as strong as he seems to be in death, then he was a bit terrifying to come across. As he comes back at you with unfortunately an eleven, so he, he doesn't quite land as you nimbly jump out of the way. And then with a follow-up attack, with a 25, just as you think you're landing out of range, he catches you off balance and strikes you for 14 points of damage. Yep, I felt that one. As you see his uh, blade cut across you again, and you kind of block with your arm, but you still take a bit of damage, and a bit of blood drips upon the ground, you hear Rengar just sort of laugh. This is what life is like, lad. This is what we should be doing. Fighting. Fighting to prove who is more worthy in Great Grumsh's eyes. And, yeah, it is your turn. I'm going to shout back to him, Why do you think I want the axe? We're stuck here in a camp with a bunch of fucking gnolls trying to play nice. We should be slaughtering them all. I'll strike back. Uh, 21 with 11 with the rapier. Mm, that hits. Uh, 15... 15. Does not hit. As your first jab with the rapier kind of goes through his spectral form, as you attempt to kind of pull it out for the second one, he actually just grabs your hand and kind of throws you to one side, throwing off your second attack. And you go for your third. Go for my thirds. Swing on the backhand across. That's a 30 and 12 damage. You think maybe he's being a little bit arrogant as he kind of throws you to one side and you pivot round with the short sword and just jab him in the back of the kneecap feeling a nasty amount of damage and he is going to return in kind uh, 15 not, not good, good enough did you and to 22 that is unfortunately good enough and another 13 points of damage it's death by a thousand cuts this fight i think <laughs> as he does yes indeed there was once a time when all of these lands were ours ours by right and by birth People like you should lead us back to those days. And, yeah, follow me up with some attacks. Okay. Uh, Once I have the axe, I will. Trust me. We're going to slaughter the gnolls. And, um, yeah, follow it up. Uh, With a crit, with 31, uh, only 8 piercing damage and an additional 2, so... Not a um, not a spectacular crit, but a crit nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Not the best crit you've ever done, but yeah, not it's, bad. It's, yeah. As long as long as I hit and I'm doing damage at the moment. Um, uh, follow up with a 19. Is 19 good enough? 19 is good enough. Uh, and that's a good solid 15 piercing damage on that one. And with the um, offhand attack, a 21 and 13 points of piercing damage. Hacking away. This is this is this is just a brutal. This is this is kind of just a slugfest. 
This is when like two boxers just standing there, just punching each other in the face. <laughs> Indeed, you just go all out at this old ghostly war chief, and as he picks up his great axe again, going at you with another slash, you watch as he stays his hand and stops the attack. And you see a, a large smile cross his face. <laughs> It seems you are blessed by old one I himself. That was the best fight I've had in a long time. You do, Clan Orish, proud. And I would be honored to have one such as you wield my blade once again. Huh. That was a good scrap. I'll give you that. I thought Ghost the Old Timer coming in. It's going to be an easy fight, but it wasn't. You still had some blows left in you. Don't worry, in in a few minutes, maybe half an hour tops, this camp will be filled with the blood of Knowles as Clan Ogresh charges to battle once again. Good, good. And you watch actually as he sort of straightens himself out, you watch all the wounds you dealt upon his spectral form actually just begin to disappear. It's hard to tell how hurt he actually was, but... You certainly at least did enough to prove yourself in his eyes. And you watch as the spirit starts to fade and disappear. And you are left with the ancient great axe of uh, Rengar Ogresh. Well done. Cool. I'm going to shoot that straight into the bag of holding. And I'm going to roll a stealth. And I'm going to go and hide behind a gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> I've fought one ghost today, that's enough. <laughs> um, Let's hope so, that didn't alert um, the Fate Weaver. Well, well T- Tommy's now cowering behind a gravestone with the axe safely in his bag with a 30 on this stealth roll. <laughs> so it melted back into the shadows. And I'm thinking about what to do now. Give Rogar the axe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a it's a thought. I mean that then you might be less. Well, it depends what the axe can do, but you might be less worried about losing your sword if that happens. If you get a cool axe, yeah. And plus, Rogar's the only one with the balls to go and run around and start killing orcs with it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm st- I'm still kind of working on that part mm, of the plan. I need I need to get out of here at the moment. But yeah, that's that seems like a a good option if we can engineer it to happen. If you guys don't die in a minute. I'm not going to die. <laughs> I might die. Well, you, you might get discovered. You might not die. But that does kind of fall the plan nonetheless. Though I've, 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 I'm, I'm thinking about other options. I'm thinking about whether I just, I mean, if, if I literally just, you know, I could, I could just make up a story and say that I, I, I killed a knoll who was, who was, who'd stolen this axe. Um, uh, yeah. but then I, but then I, you tell because yeah, there's going to be, a, there's a chance that they know that, you know, that spirit would show up and well, whatever Noel's ass. Yeah, unless they 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 run away pretty sharpish. But yeah, maybe I don't know. It's it's a um. I mean, if 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 it comes to it, but we'll see what happens. I guess uh, I don't know. Are we sticking with me or are we moving? Wow. Oh, how long do you wait there, Tommy? Is it just to catch your breath and make sure that nothing's going on, or are you gonna do like a full like short rest for an hour or something? Um, I will. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to just catch my breath, and then what I want to do is I want to get out of this place. I'm going to 
head over to the wall by where I, cl- where I climbed in with Solara, but sort of making the long way around stealthily, and then see if I can hop over the wall back next to Solara before I think about taking a rest and maybe getting some hit dice back. Okay. So you... Uh, I want to be somewhere to... Where, I, where I should be yeah. when I'm taking a rest rather than somewhere I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you wait a little while and no one comes out of the crypt. No one goes into the ancestral grounds. You wait until all's quiet and everything is just back to uh, silence before you make your move and start heading back over to where Solara was waiting on the other side of this uh, small stone wall that surrounds the ancestral grounds. Once you get out and over, Solara kind of comes over to you and in a hushed voice goes, So, what happened? Did you get something? You could say that, yeah. Um, And I kind of cuff a little bit of blood away from the... um corner of my mouth though she can't see that at the moment because i'm still uh got a bit uh sliced up by a ghost in there but um i do have the um the axe that belonged to a former war chief of clan ogrish so you know that seems like something that might be exactly what we're after awesome that yeah if it's some relic of their old clan leader or something that sure that'll piss these guys off if it's stolen or defiled or broken or something oh yeah i don't i don't want to damage it particularly i mean i um i may have lied to the old geezer in there uh but he seemed like a decent lad uh connor if if we can get it to sphere and rogar they can uh they can start running around with it that'll um that'll piss the orcs off something fierce and hopefully that'll kick off that big battle we're after but yeah, if the worst comes to it, we'll chuck it into the into the fire. But I don't really fancy doing that. Meanwhile, we've still got the um the, the wolves we can use at some point. I've still got this all this meat that we can chuck out. Mm-hmm. So I'll be honest, I could I'm not looking the healthiest. If we think we can, uh, if we've got time to have a bit of a bit of a break, I don't know. I might just take a second wind and go with it, really. But I, d- I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to notice it. Particularly, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of tra- foot traffic into um, and out of the burial grounds. Um, I don't think anyone's going to notice the axe is gone for for a little while, so we might have some time. But it depends how they're getting on the other side. Yeah, hopefully they haven't uh, <laughs> alerted anyone yet. Uh, I think Sophia will be fine. It's Rogue I'm a bit worried about, but I guess yeah. you know he's, he's he. It's not too dissimilar to how he normally acts, pretending to be a null. So I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I mean, Sophia seems to have a good head on her shoulders. She's not very, like, risky or anything. Well, no, I think she, um, I'll be honest, I think she's probably doing most of that to protect you. Mm, I see. Well, I mean, hopefully they're, hopefully they're both okay and everything's fine. Um, do you want to go back with the orcs and kind of mingle and rest up for a bit, or should we try to stay over here? Uh, I don't want to be seen too much, I mean... We seem to have got away with it reasonably well, with me just pretending I can't talk and you kind of translating for me. But I don't want to get roped into any other tasks or find any gambling debts that um, the Wolfmaster's got. So I don't know. I wouldn't mind having another another quick look at this uh, war tent if we can. See if we can find anything else before things get alerted. Sure. Well, let's let's head over there then and see if anything's happening. Cool. Well, that's, uh, yeah, we'll wander nonchalantly over. Okay. So you walk a bit uh, back towards the main area of the camp, and it's pretty much exactly how you left it. You've got orcs 
some training, some eating, some just relaxing a little bit, some getting prepared to go off on patrols, and a little bit away from the sort of little campfires they've got set up, you see a large war tent, huge war tent, in fact, and still got that same rather peculiarly placed giant skull over the doorway, just sort of hanging there. And if you're watching, you'll see a couple of orcs head towards the war tent and go inside. They look they look to be dressed a bit similar to the orc warship you just fought. Maybe not quite as impressively decked out, but they certainly look more important than the regular orcs. You probably guess either they're higher-ups in this clan, or maybe they're even war chiefs from other clans who have been brought into the fold. You watch a few of them go into that war tent, often by themselves, some with a few attendants with them. After a little while, how close are you to the war tent? Kind of close enough to see the comings and goings, but not close enough, so it's it's really obvious that we're watching the entrance kind of thing. Just kind of, you know, we're, 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 we're within sort of you could recognize faces distance, I'd say, but not kind of hovering by the entrance. I see. Okay. So you're, you're close enough and you're just sort of nonchalantly standing there kind of thing. Trying not to look like you're paying too much attention. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of maybe, maybe kind of find something to do to preoccupy my hands and maybe look like I'm cleaning my rifle or something. Um, I can make it look like I'm kind of showing um, Solara how, how it works a little bit. Yeah. While you're doing that, you see no more people seem to enter the tent. When someone comes out of it, you see a quite well-armored and, in fact, wearing a very nice-looking black fur cloak that has these two, almost like, um, you know, sort of like tendrils or antennae or something coming off the neck part of the cloak. It looks very, very nice, clearly from some sort of animal. This female orc comes out of the war tent and show you a little picture. You see she's not holding any weapons or anything like that, but you do notice she has almost like iron claws on her fingers. And as she kind of walks out of the war tent and just sort of looks around the camp a little bit, you notice she does look over to you, Joran, and goes, Joran, I wasn't aware you'd returned. Good timing. You'll be wanted for this. Hurry up. And she kind of points towards the war tent, kind of summoning you in. I'll kind of um, nod to Solara to kind of hang around close by, and I'll kind of I'll kind of give her the um, the old recognition nod, and then kind of make my way towards her. I'll kind of, as I do, I'll kind of point at the jaw and kind of make a sort of explosion with, mm-hmm. my, with the other hand, and go kind of a little slight shrug as if to say yeah i haven't really been back to report as such i've kind of slunk into camp to um wait for this jaw to heal and then i can make a full report so Mm. she looks you up and down and you see a bit of disdain across her face she goes you look a complete mess (sighs) fine whatever get inside the meeting's about to start as you presumably walk past her to go inside you then hear her say Ah, and our final guest arrives. Welcome back, Disorn. I see you're looking happy as ever. And as you kind of look over your shoulder, you see the perpetually unhappy-looking face 
of Fate Weaver to Sorn, the older orc that you met once before, and who murdered Tommy about four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got a bit of bad blood there. Um, uh, you see this, you see this heavily robed, sort of gnarled looking orc with this long gray beard and gray tufts of hair. He's holding this gnarled looking staff that he's using to seem to support his weight as he walks. And he just sort of sneers at uh, this female orc and almost shoulder bumps her out the way as he tries to do the same to you, but you're presumably already heading inside as he walks in as well. He doesn't say hello to you. <laughs> I just kind of head, head, head on in front, pick up the pace a little bit, and um, yeah, try, try and stay a few, a, a little way ahead of him. As he bumps into um, this female orc, you just hear her say, Careful, uncle, you're not in the best graces right now. And you see a little dark look crosses to Sorn's face, but he doesn't respond. He sort of walks into the tent. As you, Tommy, get a good look inside, and it is a large war tent, and it is probably what you expect. You see a large table that has been set out with maps and information and many chairs around it, though most of them aren't in use. In fact, you see the war chiefs who are entering this war tent earlier are all sort of stood around, grumbling to each other, pointing at bits of maps, arguing, agreeing, drinking, kind of seemingly making plans for one thing or another. You see Fate Weaver to Sorn takes up a spot near the head of the table, and then you see the orc, and I'm going to use the term orc loosely here, who seems to be in charge of Clan Ogresh. You see a creature that's the only reason you know that this is a member of Clan Ogresh, and in fact is the leader of Clan Ogresh, is because he is wearing very similar looking armors and furs to everyone else. He has that skull and lightning crest of Clan Ogresh painted on his armor and on his cloak. But this looks nothing like any orc you've ever seen. One, it's much larger than even some of the largest orcs you've borne witness to. Its muscles look like slabs of granite. Its skin is a dark gray and spined. It has horns. It looks far more like a demon than an orc. In fact, you see a massive demonic-looking greatsword across its back. Uh, I'm sure you a picture. But everyone in this room doesn't seem surprised by this creature appearing here, and it further reinforces in your mind that this is the leader of Clan Ogresh. He's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll, I'll kind of um, keep, keep to the back of the room. Yeah. As you come in, you see a few of the war chiefs nod towards you, Joram, but they don't really say anything. It's just to acknowledge that you're here more than anything else. And the leader, who is known as Kordon Ogresh, seems to start taking charge of the meeting. I'll say this, as you're standing a little bit to the back, what you do see, apart from Kordon's presumably usual seat, a rather fancy one adorned with a few trophies and skulls of uh, various creatures this orc, or whatever he is, has presumably killed in his time. You see a table not too far away that's got a few other documents on top of it that... You might not want to touch, but you could attempt to take a look at if you think no one's watching you. 
Yeah, I might. Um, maybe I'll, I'll sidle over that way. Mm-hmm. Do me a do me a stealth check. Okay. Uh, Twenty nine. Twenty nine. While they're sort of doing their general greetings and catching up a little bit before Corden starts this meeting properly, you take the opportunity to sidle a little bit closer to the side table and just glance down at a few documents you find there. You see some papers detailing shipment requests of armaments, and you notice a very familiar symbol marked upon those documents. It looks like a black mechanical spider on a, on a circle of red, a symbol that you would recognize as the symbol of the firm, and you see confirmation of a delivery from something called Arkenveld to Throck, which appears to be the name of a city, has now been collected and paid for, and the firm are advising that they could supply an additional shipment of any of the following based on agreed prices. Two Leviathan-class airships, five Guardian-class soldiers, as well as five rifles and eight pistols. And you see that it is signed with the name Vladimir. The only other documents on there that take your interest are some signed agreements. And from the context of the writing, you see that these are agreements from the leaders of the giants, the varying giant factions that all fall under this wider banner. They seem to be agreeing the lands of Oshara will be placed under the control of Clan Ogresh in exchange for their continued alliance with the giant's armies of Ganaran. And you see the signatures from the Fire Lord Ulthgar Helric, the Ever Queen Vestra, and Morinhol. That's what you see, Tommy, as you spy upon these documents. And in fact, as you're glancing at those last ones and those agreements, you quickly realize Corden's already started speaking, and that actually seems to be the topic at hand. They are discussing the carving up of Oshara and what their next plan should be. You hear mention of Varadin seems to have been taken out of the picture, and Corden nods towards his chieftains and says, Yes, all of our scouts report the same. Some large barrier surrounds the human city. Its forces are nowhere in sight. And it seems that army sent by the Divine Hand has also disappeared off the maps. This leaves these lands incredibly undefended. We will continue our goals here unimpeded. And in due course... All of Oshara will be back under our control, as is ours by right before those humans stole our lands from us. And you see all the orc war chiefs cheer along at that and some bang the table in agreement. As that's going on, and the conversation continues talking about new incursions, some comments on the gnolls and how they've just been recklessly attacking whatever they need to, but it's kind of why they're here, so no one puts up too much of an argument against that. You see another 
person enter the room. And this is one of the most bizarre creatures you've ever come in contact with. And that's saying something. Oh yeah, that is saying something. You see a creature armored in sort of what looks like almost bone-white armor. You would say, if this was a normal person, this is like heavy plate armor with a complete face mask. You, you don't see how this creature could see out of the helm it's wearing. It's got this completely blank face with these white bone spikes coming off the back of it. Apart from the fact that this armor leaves no mouth, no nose, no eyes, the truly bizarre thing is the weapon that seems to be crafted or fused onto this creature's armor. To call it a sword is a little bit um, lacking in description. What you see is almost a sword that splits into a giant mawful of razor-sharp teeth covered in spines along the back of it. And I'm going to show you his picture. Ooh. What the fuck is that? What? That's some Giver-looking shit. <laughs> what the fuck? It's kind of kind of like a um, a knight made out of bone with a fucking giant mouth on his arm. Yeah. You watch as this creature walks into the room and no one seems to acknowledge it, apart from you see Corden's eyes flash in its direction for a moment, but he doesn't address it. It walks just off to the side rather than joining the rest around the table. And Tommy, as you get a, a good close look at this thing, you notice emblazoned on its shoulder is a symbol of an eye with an eye placed on top of it. So a letter I and an eye symbol, a symbol of the Awoken. And it seems to be content with just watching and listening in on these proceedings. The conversation eventually turns towards Desorn, and Desorn seems to be dreading this moment as Corden looks at him and goes, So, brother, it seems your little expedition was quite costly, and you have yet to give me any good excuse for why so many resources were wasted. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Desorn sort of snarls back at apparently his brother. <sighs> it was not a waste. It seems that Black Frost is protected by some band of want-to-be heroes, I suppose. And if those sort are there protecting that fortress, that only confirms to me that there's something in there that needs protecting. I would suggest that we march straight back there and look through every single inch of that fortress until we find what it is exactly that Othrin left behind. Then we can present it to the giants and our status will rise above all others. You know we need their support, brother. We cannot do this without their backing. Corden seems to nod a little bit and is about to respond when you hear a voice from outside the tent go, Oh, Orc leaders, a pleasure to make your acquaintance. I come here as a representative 
an emissary, if you will, and I fear we have much to discuss. We mean you no ill will for now, but I suggest you hurry. Our offers will expire quite quickly if you dawdle. And you watch every single orc in the room kind of look at each other, horribly confused, as they start walking towards the tent exit. And I think that's where we're going to end the episode. Bloody hell. <laughs> Things are coming up, Rogar. Ugh. You weren't even in this episode. Shush. I know! I know! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, 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 we'll see what happens. When's, um... Hmm. What's yeah. going to happen? A bit of a shorter one this week. Apologies, Rogar, but you'll show up soon. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. As far as I see it, it's just me winning. <laughs> <laughs> it normally is, depending on how you look at things. <laughs> and when, when you can turn a loss into a win then you always win. <laughs> See, I'm playing both sides, so I always come out on top. Exactly! <laughs> I hope it's an emissary of Karnak. Well. That would be amazing. We shall see. Find out next week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. Uh, Bit of a shorter one this week, but that was Gunpowder, Treason, No Plots. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you wish to check us out on Patreon, you can do at patreon.com slash gtmp. We're on there with uh, some goodies and things if you sign up, a few different tiers, a few different bits of access. But every tier gives you access to our Discord, where we have a lot of fun chatting with our fans and uh, sharing various bits of uh, Gunpowder, Treason, No no plot, lore, and clues and hints, but also random RPG stuff, so it's a lot of fun. Apart from that, if you wish to chat with us just generally, we're all on Twitter. I'm there as at Trees and No, and my players are there with their player names and GTMP at the end of it. We also have a WordPress website and a Facebook group, all at Gunpowder, Trees, and No Plot. And I will hand you over to my co-hosts to say their own goodbyes. As has become accustomed, I'm going to take us back somewhere else in this world of ours, and... We're going to look back at our mysterious figure that we've been following. But this time, we're getting a little bit of a closer a closer look at the, uh, the face paint that he has donned. And we see the base of white. Then what looked like fractures painted in black going down from his eyes and from across his forehead. We're not too sure what that's supposed to represent. When we hear a scream from somewhere else, close by, I've been James Bunkle. Ah, enigma as always. Yeah, and if you want to hear more from me, I'm afraid, as usual, you can't. But um, we've got a got a got an interesting weapon up next on um, Tommy's list of weapons of various sorts. Uh yeah. So uh, next up, we got the letter U, which is for now, I'm probably going to butcher this, but I think it's Yurumi. Yurumi. Uh, it's a uh, bit of a nasty weapon, actually. Quite, quite a weird one. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's an Indian sword slash whip. It's basically a sword with a very, very flexible uh, bit of metal on the end, which you can kind of use to whip people with. Imagine, like, yeah, a, um, a very sharp 
bit of metal slapping at you from a distance, cutting you up. Which, on its own, sounds pretty nasty. Sounds like you can do some pretty horrific lacerations on unarmed enemies. But then you get some crazy fucker who thought, do you know what? One blade's fun, but how about we stick five on there? So you've got a five-bladed steel whip sword. Fucking evil. But I tell you what, that's that'd be amazing. You're, you're fighting a fighting a bloke who's not got any armor on. You slash him without once. He's down, isn't he? Bleeding from all over the place. I don't even know how many dice you'd have to roll for that. So yeah, that, that one. Uh, although it's a bit scary because you could quite easily whip yourself with it. Maybe it takes a bit too much training for most people. But yeah, I'll give that one. Give that one three daggers up. And this week I have a joke. I have a joke. So everybody. How does the how does the paladin protect against the heat of a firebolt? How he turns up his AC. Thank you very much. Oh God! God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, epic! There you go. I thought you'd like that one. <laughs> I don't want to go. That's just I just cringe. <laughs> He's killed it for you. Yeah, yeah, he really has. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, the letter is U for Ultroloths, which are the enigmatic rulers of the Yugoloths, holding sway over their underlings through their fearsome reputation and crushing auras. They are the epitome of Yugoloth corruption, dangerous masterminds that would pull the strings behind any event to serve their diabolical plans. Bit like Rogar. Mm. Ultra laughs are very fun. <laughs> are we going the, to meet any of them? I don't want to meet any of them. The more, the more you do this, the more I, I worry. Each, each episode is because oh yeah, there are those things. Oh yeah, <laughs> <sighs> yeah. It's like great, we're going to meet that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. See ya. Can anyone hear us? Can anyone hear us? I'm trapped in this bumper. We're both trapped in this bumper. Oh no, how do we we end up in here? Well, how do we escape? Okay, look, maybe if we send everyone to necropoticon.com, we can escape. But not just that. What what if we send them to the Discord as well? Yes, that's great. You have to go to the website, which is www.necropoticon.com. And you'll find a Discord on there. And if you want, I guess, if, if you've got time while releasing us, you could play games and chat with the people from the various podcasts you've been listening to. You can read all the cast and crew profiles. You can be part of special events. In fact, we're missing out on that by being trapped in this bumper. Help free us from this bumper and we'll see you over at www.necropoticon.com. We are in mortal pain. If you this do not, sucks. please, we Help suffer in this bumper. Us. Save us. Ah! Necropoticon. Hard to pronounce? Easy to listen. Thank you to Sirenscape for some of the music and sound effects you heard during this podcast. They do amazing atmosphere and music, so be sure to check them out at www.sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic music.